Good morning, people of God. This is Apostle Shirley Evans this morning. The time is 9.06 a.m. and today is October 29th, 2020. And today is Thursday, Thursday, October 29th, 2020. The time is 9.06 a.m. And I just bless God for another day for his love, his grace, his mercy, and his faithfulness. I pray that everyone that receives these teachings today or whenever, that it will find them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on God. I just wanna ring the bell. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you. I don't take it lightly that you're using this vessel to spread your word, your love, your joy, your peace, your comfort. And before I go any further, I want to declare some decree, some scriptures, speak some scriptures about prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. When we confess our sins to each other, when we empty ourselves, we pray and ask God to forgive us. He answers prayer. The word of God said in Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8 says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks find. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Sometimes we're going through so much difficulties. We forget to draw on the scriptures. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, If you believe... You will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. But the prerequisite is you have to believe. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 19 says, How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. 1 John 5, verse 14 to 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 24 says, Before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. Job chapter 22 verse 27 declares, You will pray to him and he will hear you. John chapter 15 verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. I'm going to say that again. If you remain in me, you have to remain in him. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. 
John chapter 16, verse 23 to 24 says, My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Bless the name, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, bless the name of the Lord Jesus. The name of the Lord Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and they are safe. And so we just thank God that we can ask. We can ask the Father in the name of Jesus. And he will give it to us. And so I just want to encourage you to pray, to be in the will of God, and know that when we get in an alignment with him, we ask, he will answer our prayers. And I just want to say to yesterday, yesterday, your, your sister in Christ was very, very weak, very, very weak. And you know, the thing, I mean, I'm, I'm going to speak what's inside of me, right? And sometimes people keep things on the inside and they never get healed. No, no, no. I am going to praise God for the little things, the little things, the big things, the not so big things. I'm going to, I'm going to open up and praise him. And so yesterday I was really feeling um, a little, a little weak. And so after, as soon as I finished um, sending, sending the messages and I walked out of here, and I, 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 I told somebody that I was feeling a bit, uh, a bit weak. Well, anyway, I was about to had to go and fix something to eat, but it never happened because as soon as I got up, I heard um, my doorbell it, it rang. No, the doorbell didn't ring. The phone rang with a message. I left something at your gate. I said, are you at the gate? No, we are not at the gate. But I left something at the gate. Anyway, I went outside and at the gate, there was a container with hot soup with every ingredients that will bring strength to your body. Now see, God heard me in, the, God, in my spirit. <laughs> He knew I needed that nourishment. I didn't call that person. The only way that person knew is because the Spirit of God had to had to speak to that person and say, go and take this to her. Let me tell you, you better get to that place where, where your, you, your, not only did your spirit be saved, but your soul, our soul need to be saved. Our flesh and body need to be saved. Because there's, there's always a war with that soul. And so we need to get in that alignment as soon before we think it, he hears it. And as soon as he hears it, he answers us. I just want to encourage you this morning. And I don't want you to think that, oh, I'm so self-righteous. No, I want all of us to get in that place with God, in that place with God. And that oneness with God is such a beautiful experience.
it's such a place it's a place of rest my soul has found rest i've passed the test in jesus i am free i know he rescued me and my soul my soul have found rest his soul need to be rested and the songwriter append a song it says when my soul is singing in that promised land above i'll be satisfied praising christ the savior for redeeming grace and love i'll be satisfied but your soul have to be in that place of rest resting 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 on the promises that he has promised us he cannot fail standing on the promises he cannot fail standing 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 on the promises of christ my savior standing standing i am standing on the promises of god standing let's rest resting 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 in the promises of christ my savior resting resting i am resting in the promises of god yes the song says i'll be satisfied when my soul is singing in that promised land above i'll be satisfied praising christ the savior for redeeming grace and love i'll be satisfied i'll be satisfied i'll be satisfied when my soul is resting in the presence of the lord i'll be satisfied and let me tell you something in his presence he's there he inhabits the praises of his people so he heard something i said i said to the lord i said lord my friend promised me some food on monday <laughs> she's gonna laugh when she hears this but it's the truth and i said lord monday i was waiting for the food i said and i got so hungry i said yeah i better try to get to that stove and fix my food which i did and so yesterday early yesterday i said holy spirit if i was waiting for that food i'd have been starved to death that was me and the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to him. Okay. But look what he did. He said, okay, I hear you. Okay. Watch what I'm going to do. Yesterday morning, remember when I said the Holy Spirit told me the night before in Isaiah 48 verse 3 that he was going to do something suddenly. So suddenly he did that. What is happening is that I'm saying some stuff and I watching and manifest the same day. 
I want all of us to get in that place with him. When your words are not his word, but your word, your desire, is all lined up with his desire. You're in one with oneness with him. That's where I that's where I long for for, for his people to get, and that's where that's where the Father longs for us to, to get in that in that place with him. We say, call on me and I will answer you. I will answer you immediately and manifest and manifest. And so we, we, we need to get closer to him. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I laid all down again. To feel you say that you are my friend, you are my desire, no one else will do, nothing else can take your place, to feel the warmth of your embrace, help me find the way, bring me back to you. You're all I want. You're all I never needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. And listen, I'm singing. I'm praising. And the Holy Spirit said, yes, but tell them, tell them what again what I did yesterday. So the suddenlies came. Suddenly, listen, suddenly, I like to brag on God. Suddenly, I had just eaten the last, fixed the last piece of meat, which was chicken, on Sunday. And I knew that, okay, this is going to last me for a few days, right? And, and, and the thing about it is, suddenly yesterday, suddenly yesterday, my spiritual granddaughter daughter i bless the lord oh my soul she picked up the phone grammy the spirit said that you need some cornish hen and i wanted to say no 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 that's okay <laughs> then that would have been pride almost came out of my mouth right no i killed that root of pride because i needed i said oh okay i was like yeah the spirit really talking to her right Suddenly, suddenly, ups to my door, ups to my door, <laughs> there is the Cornish hands. When God speaks and says suddenly he's going to do some things, it's like, wow, God, you're here. He is here. He is here. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here, amen. He is here, holy, holy. Hear him calling out your name. He is here, listen closely. Hear him calling out your name. He is here, you can touch him. You will never be the same. And not only that, there was, but was juice comes. Oh God. Lord, you love me. 
Lord, you love all of us. I wish we could realize how much he loves us. But sometimes we're looking for the big, 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 big things. No, appreciate him in the little things. And not only appreciate him in the little things, when he brings the little things, share it. <laughs> Somebody say, Miss Evans, you always give in here, but I'm always receiving. Because I know the law of reciprocity. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over shall men give into your bosom. So it's time that we get to where was in the book of Acts. There was absolutely no one lacking because people were hearing, hearing God and they were laying it at the apostles' feet and distribution was made daily for those who had, uh, had need. Now, let me tell you something. It's going to come to the place where a lot of people are so prideful they are going to have to tow the lines. They're towing it now, not only abroad. We looked at it, seeing it abroad. We figured, oh, that's not for us. But now it's for us. And so when, when I came out of the last assignment away, and, and God says to me, I want you to build a kitchen in the back of your yard to feed God's people. Didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense because I have a kitchen inside my house. But he knew what he was talking about okay so very soon that that will it's finished it's complete and so we don't know what is going to happen i had the vision where i saw god's people line up from round the corner straight to my gate and them being fed because he loves us and he says no good thing but i withhold from them that walk uprightly Oh God, it's so awesome. We have to not only see in a natural, we have to ask God to open our spiritual eyes to see and understand the time, the times that we are living in. And yeah, there was light in Goshen. And yes, there will be light in the people of God. And there will be provision for the people of God. But even as there is provision for the people of God, there will be provision of the scriptures that we need to give to the ones in Egypt to tell them the love of Jesus. And yes, there will be provision with food and clothing and other things for the people of God. But at the same time, we are to let our light shine. We are to share even with the wicked. And then we are to lead them to Jesus to let them know if God is their father, he certainly will provide. And even the ones who are not his children, he still provides for them. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do. Nothing else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find the way 
bring me back to you. You're all I want. You're all I ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. You're I want. You're all I ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. I want to encourage you that God will take care of you and God will perfect everything that concerns you because his love and his grace and his faithfulness he remains faithful so whatever you're going through turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace he is your provider he's your comforter he's your healer he's your deliverer he's your hope he's your joy he's your peace so keep your eyes on him he promised never to leave you nor forsake you the word of God says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Remember when you begin to be perturbed in all that's going on and wondering where I'm going to get my next meal from. Remember the birds. He takes care of them. How much more will he not take care of us? He's the one, Jesus is the one who turned the water into wine. So he can turn your situation around and bring you joy and laughter and peace. One of the ways Jesus revealed the Father and himself was through the miracles he performed. I think it is particularly significant that the setting for this first miracle, his first miracle, was not a public street on open hillside where it was witnessed by hundreds of people, but a private home in the midst of the joyous festivities of a family wedding celebration. Oh, there's gonna be a whole lot of weddings. Mark it down. Because these are the last days, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And so, so we are about to see a whole lot of marriage celebrations but the majority of these marriage celebrations are going to be godly marriage celebrations, divine from God, all for his glory. The scenario is, is, is it, it was intimate, but it was very ordinary. Jesus, here he is, attending a wedding in the town of Cain of Galilee, along with his disciples and his mother, Mary. Mary was a great intercessor. 
Mary was a great intercessor. Cana was located about eight miles north of Nazareth, where Jesus grew up. The wine has run out, no more wine. And the hosts are facing a deeply embarrassing social crisis. Mary appeals to her son for help. As John chapter 2 was 1 to 3. John chapter 2 was 1 to 3. I'll find that right now. John chapter 2 was 1 to 3. It says, On the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. That's what Jesus told her. In those days and in that culture, wedding celebrations com commonly lasted several days, even as long as a week. The hosts were responsible for making sure that enough food and wine were available at all times for all their guests. A failure in hospitality was a serious shortcoming in that culture and could cause damage to a family's reputation, their pride, reputation that would endure for years. Why was Mary so concerned that she sought Jesus' help? Why? Well, I think many Bible scholars would say differently. But Mary, some Bible scholars would say they would believe that the hosts of the wedding celebration were relatives to Mary and Jesus, but we don't exactly know that. This was the family and they were in need. At first, however, Jesus appears reluctant to intervene. Nevertheless, his mother instructs the servants to do whatever Jesus says. What happens next is very low-key and takes place with no drama, fanfare, or publicity. My father, yeah, the Holy Spirit knew that this lesson, this teaching would come out today. Because it was uh, 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 about a week ago, a week ago, the time goes by so fast. I just finished my message, got up out of the chair, the phone rang, and somebody called and said, they're sending their son here with something for me. They never said what it was. So I went and waited to the door, and the son pulled up, and the son pulled up and gave I heard a clinkling and I didn't know what it was. The next thing I knew, uh, the Holy Spirit had said to me, push your trolley out there before he comes. But I didn't know what it was for. And there, there, 10 bottles of wine, non-alcoholic wine. Nobody ever sent no non-alcoholic wine to me. I mean, of course, they wouldn't send no alcoholic wine because I don't drink it. But there it was. And I was like, 
God, you're doing something I don't understand. But it was what I needed. It was what I needed. And here I am. He's talking about the wine. Something is about to happen. And he's giving us, he's not telling us the whole story. Okay. So there was a reason why he was invited to this celebration. They needed him. They needed him and they needed to see who he was. Nearby, John chapter 2, verse 611 says, 611 says, and there were, his mother said unto, verse 5, his mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he said unto you, do it. And there was set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. The manifestation of his glory. Just like that, Jesus avoided a social embarrassment and preserved the family's reputation in the community. By doing so, he demonstrated the deeply personal interest that God takes in even the most ordinary affairs of our lives. He perfects those things that concerns us. The new wine from Jesus was superior to the wine that had run out. Right now, the religious, traditional wine, all of that has run out. God, the new wine is about to spring forth. Revelation, knowledge, anointing, healing and deliverance, supernatural miracles, that's about to come forth. By doing so, he demonstrated the deeply personal interest that God takes in, in even the most ordinary affairs of our lives. In the Bible, wine is often used as a symbol for the Spirit of God. The new wine from Jesus was superior to the wine that had run out. In the same way, the life in the Spirit which we receive from Christ is far superior to the old life of sin or even religion that has proved inadequate. Verse 11 explains Jesus' primary motivation for turning the water into wine to reveal his glory so that his disciples would believe in him. Isn't that something? People could be walking along with you in ministry and they don't know who the world you are. 
until the glory is revealed in you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So here they were walking with him in ministry, but yet they did not know who he was. They did not really believe. So when that happened, after that happened, then his disciples would believe in him. There are at least three truths or principles we can draw from this story. Sometimes God allows things to run out in order to reveal his glory. Oh yes, I know of it in, in, in my walk with God every day. It'd be times when the cupboard would be empty and I say, God, you told me, you called me by faith. You told me not to ask anybody for nothing. You told me to ask you and you said it shall be given to you. So now there's no more grits. No, there's no more bean. There's no more rice. And I would go on saying what there is not. He'd say, brush the cupboard out, write down a list of what you need and thank me for it. And I would brush it out, write down the list, thank him for it. A matter of days when I look, everything that I needed came in, but he allowed it to run out to see how you gonna act. Whether you're going to turn back and say, you know, it's better. I would have been in the world. It would have been better. Like the children of Israel um, murmured and say, it's better off. We should be back in Egypt. No. Sometimes God allows things to run out in order to reveal his glory. Because the wine ran out. Jesus had an opportunity to reveal himself and build the faith of his disciples. If you start to run out of stuff, remember the water runs out or the money runs out or friendship runs out. Because you see, money could run out, water could run out, friendship runs out. Don't panic. Just say, God, there must be something about yourself that you want to show me. That's why things have run out. Reveal your glory. When life, it is said, when life throws your curve, remember that it's a glory curve. Because if we are followers of Christ, life can never really, really catch us on our blind side because God knows everything. So if you see a curve ahead, like they're talking about this pandemic has gone a curve, whatever. If you see a curve, don't panic. God is waiting just around the bend. The glory is about to come up. Glory also reveals that which is better than what we had before. You know, if God say, empty yourself, get rid of those stuff, be like, oh, but I had this, oh, I had this my mother gave me um, uh, 30 years before she died. No, I had this from a child. I have to hold on to this. But he's trying to tell you, get rid of it. He has something better for you. 
Glory always reveals that which is better than what we had before. The earlier wine at the Cana wedding may have been good, but Jesus's wine was better. Isn't God beautiful? Isn't he faithful? Jesus didn't simply turn water into wine. He saved an entire family's reputation. The point I'm making here is if you think that where you are and what you have are good, you ain't seen nothing yet. Ask me, ask me, I'm still living, I can tell you. Because when he stripped me of everything, when he allowed me to give away everything out of this house except the floor and the walls, <laughs> he then years later furnished the house with better than I ever had. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is to come. And it's coming suddenly. Glory comes out under pressure. And glory brings out the very best there is. So, so here it is. Like Father God, here is the Son operating like father, like son. One of the reasons Jesus came into conflict so often with the Pharisees and other religious leaders was their, 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 their resentment and bitter disagreement with his bold claim to be the son of God. Because they were spiritually blind and did not believe him. They consider his claim to be blasphemy. They particularly resented the closeness and oneness Jesus claimed to have with his father. John chapter 8, verse 14 to 18 and 19. I'm going to read that. It contains an extended debate between Jesus and the Pharisees in which Jesus makes several statements that reveal much about his relationship to his father. When his opponents challenged the validity of his testimony, Jesus said, and this is what he said, even if I testify of my own, on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. You do not know me or my Father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. That's in John chapter 8, verse 14 to 18 and verse 19. See, twice Jesus says, the father sent me. I remember when I went to Abaco, the ministers was in, with messages and the ministers said, what church you going to? What, who, who's your pastor? And Holy Spirit say, sing this song, I am redeemed, bought with a price. My father have sent me. But they look at me like, who are you talking about? My father is God. 
twice Jesus says the Father sent me. He also says that the Father is a witness to what Jesus says about himself. Jesus considers that he and his Father are one. If you knew me, you would know my Father also, like Father, like Son. A little later, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 28 to 29, he says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus was so close to his Father that he did nothing on his own, but only what his father taught him and told him to do. The father and the son enjoyed inseparable fellowship with each other. When the Pharisees claimed God as their father, Jesus replied in John chapter 8, verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Jesus came from God to the earth, not on his own initiative, but at the bidding of his father. Summing it all, summing it all up, Jesus made the boldest statements of all. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it. And he is a judge. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, who you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. That's in John chapter 8, verse 50, verse 54 and 58. Jesus understood that apart from the father, his glory was nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus understood that apart from the Father, his glory was nothing. He was saying, if I were to boast about myself, that would only bring forth the flesh nature, which is not the glory that God desires. However, the Father is my source and he glorifies me. He reveals the full expression of my life. I am here not to expose myself, but my Father. When we look at Jesus, we see God. When we look at Jesus, we see God. So, so the story about Lazarus, it really is not about Lazarus, but it's about God manifesting, God and man made manifest. The story is told in John chapter 11 verse 4 about Martha and Mary and Lazarus. One day when Jesus received word that his dear friend Lazarus of Bethany was very sick, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Yet, even though it was Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, who had sent the word to Jesus and were hoping and expecting him to come, 
Jesus delayed his departure for two days. By the time he and his disciples arrived in Bethany, Lazarus was already dead. Now, could you imagine? What would you say about Jesus? What kind of friend is he? This is his friend. He did not even come to see him while he was sick to pray for him. We would say all kinds of things. When Mary heard that Jesus had come, she confronted him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, now, she could say that because she, she had studied the scroll. Because she answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. She told him, I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God, who was to come into the world. That's John chapter 11, verse 21 to 27. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he was revealing both his own nature and that of his Father. God alone has the power to give life, and he alone has the ability to raise the dead. A short time later, everyone gathered at Lazarus' tomb and Jesus ordered the stone taken away from its entrance. Could you imagine that happening in Nassau? Everyone would scatter. When Martha objected because of the odor the body would have after being dead for days, Jesus answered, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that? Then he called to Lazarus to come out. Could you imagine? The dead man came out, but he called Lazarus' name. He didn't call Cephas' name or Johnny's name because Johnny and Cephas would come out too. Then he called to Lazarus to come out. The dead man came out and everyone was astonished. They have a saying in the Bahamas, bush crack and man gone. They, 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 they vanished. They were, they were shocked. As a result of this miracle, many of the Jews who had to come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. Jesus revealed the Father and God was glorified. So often as believers, we serve God because of the good things he does for us and forget that life is not about blessing, but about glory. God's glory shines the brightest in the midst of dark times. And when it comes out under pressure, that's when his glory shines, when it comes out under pressure. God wants to expose himself through us and he doesn't get much exposure during good times. That's why he's about his glory is about to be revealed 
all his sickness and so forth. Watch the healing anointing. Watch his glory going to be revealed. Soon, soon, soon. This may be a difficult truth to accept, but it is a much needed balance to the bless me club. The people who just saying bless me, bless me, bless me. God's glory is of supreme importance. And sometimes he is glorified most in and through our hard times. Oh, I know it. Jesus could have gone to Lazarus earlier and healed him before he died. He could have, because he's a healer. But God's glory was put on greater display by raising Lazarus from the dead. By his actions, Jesus was saying, this isn't about Lazarus, but about God. In raising Lazarus, Jesus glorified the Father and was himself glorified. When we look at Jesus, we see God. God has a reason for everything he does and a purpose for everything under the sun, for everything he created. He wants every creature to manifest its glory, to expose its true nature. The glory of a bird, it's a fly. Like I said, I don't have any wings, but I'm an eagle in the spirit. I'm a gazelle in the spirit. Yeah, you know what a gazelle is? Running, 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 warfare, running, 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 okay? But I'm not a, I, I can't swim. The glory of man is to bring forth fruit that exposes God's glory. Jesus said in, in John chapter 15, verse 1, 2, verse 4, 5, and 8, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener or the husbandman. He cuts off every branch in me. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So when we, we begin to get this cutting, we were like, oh man, I, I don't think, no, I, I don't think I could, it's too much pain. But it's important. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more, even more fruitful. He's saying, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is the true vine. The glory of a vine is to support and give life to the branches through the sap that flows. We are the branches. The glory of a branch is to bear fruit. It is to the Father's glory, not that we sing or worship or have prayer meetings, but that we bring forth fruit. Another word for fruit is productivity. 
We bring glory to God when we make something productive and worthwhile of our lives. This means finding what we were born to do and doing it. If fruit means productivity, then productivity means work. Work for the night is coming. Jesus said, I must work the work of him that called me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Remember Jesus' words to his father. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's in John chapter 17 verse 4. There is nothing in that verse about praise, prayer, singing, or any other religious activity. God's glory came out in the work that Jesus did. Just like Jesus, we glorify God in and through our work. That's how he designed us. Man's original role in the Garden of Eden was as a worker, as an overseeing. He had to oversee and he had to care for the garden. And he had to care for all the lower created order. When we bear fruit, our work, we expose God's glory and prove that we belong to him. We don't bring out glory on Sunday. <laughs> no. We don't bring out glory on Saturday or whatever other day we may worship. We bring out glory in our job or profession on the rest of the days of the week. Glory comes out in our work, not only in our worship. Our glory is doing the work we were born to do because that reveals who we really are. Revealing who we really are also exposes God's glory within us and makes it possible for others to look at our lives and see who he really is. Jesus' greatest desire for his followers was that they would come to know and experience the same oneness that he and his father enjoyed. This oneness was the dominating theme of the last recorded prayer of Jesus prior to his crucifixion. In John chapter 17 verse 5 and verse 10, verse 20 to 24, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, for that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me 
before the creation of the world. The, the people who makes perfume or, or who makes the axe or whatever they make. So the glory of a manufacturer is seen when its product performs as designed and advertised. If the computer on which I write these things, if I use a computer or a, just say the keyboard or just say the typewriter, it should function as it's supposed to. When it does that, it reflects the glory of the computer company or the, or, or let's say the typewriter company whose name it bears. Jesus said that he had received glory through his followers. Glory has come to me through them who bear his name. When we successfully carry out the design or purpose of God, Jesus, we bring glory to his name. From before the creation of the world, Jesus and his father were one. And Jesus prayed that his followers, which is us, which is us, would share that same oneness. Too often these verses have been used in the wrong way to teach unity. Jesus' primary concern in these verses is not so much unity as it is union. union just as jesus and his father were one in their shared god nature so he prayed that his followers may be one as we are jesus's prayer for us is that we will be brought into complete unity with our own god nature he wants us to know who we really are Children made in the, the baby says spitting image. Children made in the image of our father rather than buying into the lies of who the rest of the world says we are. They tried to put me in a box, but I, I ran away. <laughs> I ran out that box. Jesus said, I have given them the glory that you gave me. What is glory? Glory is a true nature. Jesus gave us the same nature that he and the Father share. Jesus glorified his Father by completing the work his Father gave him to do. Everything Jesus did revealed the Father's glory, but nothing more so than his death on the cross and his resurrection. The cross was Jesus' ultimate work which fully manifested his glory. It was what he was born to do. In his death and resurrection, Jesus fully revealed the Father. In the same way, our work should, should reveal Jesus in us, who in turn reveals the Father, who is our source. What we do with our lives should ultimately 
reveal the full weight of God's glory before a world that is watching us. That's what we were born to do. Glory is manifested through our work that God has put us on this earth to do. Jesus was the full manifestation of God's glory in the flesh. When we look at Jesus, we see God. Sometimes God allows things to run out, like I said, in order to reveal his glory. When life throws you a curve, remember it's a glory curve. Glory always reveals that which is better than what we had before. Always. The Christian life is not about blessing, but about bringing glory. God's glory is of supreme importance and sometimes he is glorified most in and through our hard times. That's, that's a fact. Because you'd be like, oh my God, God had to have done this. It had to have been God. The glory of man is to bring forth fruit that exposes God's glory. Glory is manifested through the work he's placed us on this earth to do. We need to release it. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your word today. May we take this teaching and, Father God, not just only take it, but apply it. Let us be doers of the word, not only hearers of the word. And, Father, I pray that whoever receives these words, may it reaches them with grace May they have grace, peace, love. Cover them with your grace, your peace, and your love, and your joy. The peace that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and mind. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. I love you. God bless you. This is Apostle Shirley Evans saying, remain safe and don't let the enemy steal your joy and hold on to your hope because hope make it not a shame. I love you. God bless you. Have a blessed day.